Greetings to everyone joining us for a new episode of the European Hoops podcast. We cover the EuroLeague and the top FIBA events. I am André and with me our basketball expert Diogo Valente. Hi André, hi guys. Hope everything is okay with y'all. We are here for another episode of the European Hoops podcast. Hopefully you guys stay with us and tune in for the rest of our episodes. André, let us know man, what are we talking about today? Today we bring you the part two of our EuroLeague week in recap. We start with the game between Emporio, Armani, Milano and uh, Monaco, where Monaco conquered the win, uh, 72-66. to Milan once again struggled to produce offensively, being able to score only 66 points. A game where, despite Mirotic being the best player for the, the home team, he struggled offensively as well. He ended the game with 9 points and he was able to add 9 rebounds and 2 assists to his personal account. But that wasn't enough in a team of Milano that really struggles to, to find ways to score and to produce offensively at a, at a high level. Monaco was able to conquer this important road win, uh, the six-point win, and they summed their fourth win in a row. Their MVP was nobody else than Mike James, the probably the best player of the EuroLeague so far. And he ended the game with 21 points, five rebounds, three assists, and two steals, in the, and led this Monaco team to to another uh, win and to another victory. How do you explain this uh, struggles of Milano and uh, this loss uh, once again? Well, I, I think the the simple explanation here is Mirotic struggled, so they lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they all they always need him at his elite level to to be a good team. And even then, they will still need, lose games because there's not a lot of people outside of him contributing. But this way is almost impossible, especially against such a good team like Monaco. But uh, I really want to talk about these two guys here. Uh, John Brown, first of all. My goodness. When I say Miritich struggled, this is all about John Brown and his defense because it's truly elite. He deserves a lot of credit for this win because he did an amazing job on Miritich. He, he made it hard for him. He, he he was physical, and we know Miritic is not the most physical guy. So I think John Brown did a great job on, on this matchup. And then, of course, Mike James. He was the best player on the floor. He hit that sidestep dagger to seal the deal. He's been playing with such a different mindset this season. In my opinion, he is clearly the MVP of the EuroLeague. But uh, what makes him so special is that he can score going both ways. And we saw that in that sidestep at the end. Uh, he did it going right, but he can go left. He can pull up. He can get to the basket. He has the whole package. And I, I saw uh, Malcolm Delaney, shout out to him. He, he put a tweet saying like, how did Tonut allow Mike James to get to his sidestep going right? But the fact is, how do you guard Mike James on that situation? Because he can do it going both sides. You just have to guard him straight up. But that's such an unfair thing to ask the defenders because Mike is so elite and he has perfected that sidestep going both ways. So it, it was a great shot and it's very hard to guard somebody who can who can score that like that. So Mike is just a special player and this win was all about these two guys in my opinion. I guess that Mike James with uh, this victory, he wins round one in the MVP race. And these two players, Mirotic and him, have been clearly the early top contenders and that's the 
with after this game, uh, Mike James takes a step forward and uh, is at the moment clearly the the MVP of the the Euroleague so far. Early stages, but uh, he clearly showed uh, once again that he's playing just an, at an insane level. Well, I, I don't know if number two is Miritich, but we'll get to him. We'll get to him. Let's uh, then get to him and let's get to Virtus that uh, once again uh, won and this time around against Ephes, uh, home win 93-81. to And the MVP of the game was no other than Toko, MVP Shengelia, with 19 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, and he continues to show how impactful he is for this team, and especially with his playmaking ability, how important he is uh, in the scheme of Luka Banki, the way that uh, he wants this Virtus team to play and the way that they have been playing. Virtus was able to win three of the four quarters of the game and they were especially dominant on the second half where they scored 28 and 24 points on the third and fourth quarter, allowing only 17 and 19 points against an FS team that once again struggled with uh, Rodrigo Bobois being the best for the visitors with 17 points, four rebounds, three assists and one block to to end uh, this game and uh, this uh, victory of... Um, of FS. Um, Virtus just uh, doesn't stop impressing and uh, they really uh, are showing to be one of the, the best things, one of one of the best teams in the, this edition of the, the EuroLeague. They really don't have much weaknesses, do they? They don't. I mean, they, they've been so impressive to start the season and Toko Shengeli, I mean, when I said, I don't know if Mertic is number two in the MVP race, this is what I meant. I think Shengelia mm-hmm. right now is right there with Mike James. I think Mike is the MVP, but Shengelia won October MVP. And I do believe some of that was due to the team record because Virtus is above Monaco right now. But Shengelia is definitely playing at an MVP level. And he's leading this team. I mean, that, that offense looks unstoppable. And that's a lot of credit goes to Coach Benke, of course but also to Shengelia being a forward. He, he's been the playmaker for this team. He just has everybody in the right place and he's a willing passer uh, outside uh, off of that position. And he's been playing amazing. Like the ball movement, the shooting, they just keep outscoring other teams. They are now with five straight wins and they show no signs of slowing down. Uh, as far as FH, man, just, just a disappointing team so far. Uh, Will Clyburn has been a very disappointing player. They, I don't think they will make it far uh, if they keep playing like this. I mean, play in at best. They they keep struggling a lot. They they can't get the top guys to perform as such. And it's not going to be easy playing like that. I mean, their defense is very bad. And the offense has moments, but zero consistency. So it's going to be very hard for Efish. And if they don't start putting the, the best players in the position to succeed, they're, they'll struggle a lot. So... They have a lot of work to do as well. It's going to be tough for them. What for me impresses me the the most and feel free to add to it is the fact that uh, Virtus is making the game so easy for them that they were able to score score 93 points while shooting only 7 out of 20 from the 3-point lines. They can improve both their 3-point percentage, but mostly their 3-point volume. And uh, with that, have even better uh, offensive performance than they are having right now. The... They just are making the game very, very easy for themselves and just uh, making the life of their best players easy, easier. 
and uh, it's a total contrast to what we see so on the other side of the floor from FS. That is a team that I believe you'll agree with me if I say that FS is a more talented team uh, individually than this Virtus team, but uh, in the way that they are playing and uh, the way that they are performing, especially offensively, they are nowhere close. And uh, if Virtus is able to keep up with this, with uh, this level of performances, they are clearly a team that is on the, the playoff fight. And this is just a, a awesome story to, to see coach coming to the EuroLeague and to just show the talent that we recognize on him and uh, just shows how how far a system, how far a philosophy, how far a, a brand of basketball can go. And uh, that is in full display on this first uh, six rounds with uh, this first team. For sure, 100%. Next, we go to Vitoria to talk about the game between Basconia and Partizan. This was a somewhat surprising win for the home team, 84-83, to 83, with Partizan continuing to struggle on this game. A positive note for Partizan was the good performance from Frank Kaminski that uh, ended the game with 8.7 rebounds and 5 assists, giving some good indications for the ability that he might have to impact the game to help this Partizan team moving forward. For Basconia, the best player and the MVP of this game was Tad Sadakerskis with uh, 14 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. And he was one of the key pieces for for um, Basconia to be able to win this game. But uh, also, once again, Chima Moneka was very impactful. He was the highest scorer for the home team and he ended the game with 16 points and a plus-minus of plus-4. And he was, once again, what the... the key players that impacting the, the game and one of the key pieces for this Pasconi team to come out of this game with uh, this win. What do you have to say about uh, the outcome of this game? Was it the new guard in uh, Chris Chiosa that uh, was able to help Basconia? Was it the new coach and the, the impact of Dusko Ivanovic on the team? Or it was mostly the, the struggles of Partizan that continue in the start of the season? I would say a mix of all three, but especially the, <laughs> the, the last one. I mean, Partizan has been one of the most disappointing teams in, in this edition of the EuroLeague. Uh, I think they definitely need to address the point guard issue because it is an issue. Like they, they can't just say, oh, we have capable guys of playing point. Like, no, you need a point guard. Like they don't have guys in the right spots. And, and on this game, Avramovic struggled. So the team struggled. And we, we kept saying this, like you can't be relying on him to be your best player to, through the length of a season because he can be that here and there. But if you need him to be that consistently, it's not going to work out because He's a great player, but he's not that top-tier talent uh, of guys. So he struggled, so the team struggled. It's that simple. I mean, Basconia was without their biggest player in, in Diop, and, and Partizan allowed 16 offensive rebounds. It's just unacceptable. But uh, regardless of that, a great job by Basconia. It, it was obviously a, a special night for them, uh, not only the first game back for Coach Ivanovic, but also retiring uh, Luis Cola jersey. So the guys showed up and played a very good game, just all around great energy, great contributions. It's not a game that I expected them to win, but they proved me wrong. And you have guys like Moneke, Sarah Kerskis, uh, Miller McIntyre, like everybody stepped up 
and play their role. So it's a great win for Basconia. Partizan cannot go into a game like this and be out-rebounded by 12 rebounds against a team like Basconia. Yeah, not at all. It, it just killed them and absolutely took them out of the this game. The thing with this Partizan team is like they have a core of very experienced players. They have high level of talent. They are adding another very good player that will be impartial in, in Caboclo. And this is a team that we can expect more. We can expect improvements. We know who their head coach is and what he's capable of. And I still expect, I fully expect Partizan to be on the playoff picture, to be a team that will be highly competitive come playoff time. It's just a, a very slow start and a very hard start for this uh, Partizan team that uh, they, they, their pieces are just not performing at uh, the level that um, they should be performing. And uh, you, you just gave the Avramovic example. And this is... Uh, this game from Avramovic is not a problem if Partizan is playing as they should be playing. They just have been so dependent exactly. on him, on his energy, that uh, if he doesn't have um, an insane game as he's been having so far in the in this EuroLeague edition, it almost looks like that uh, his performance really gets highlighted as a, as a bad game by him. But that's not how this team is constructed. It's not for Avramovic to be their best player game after game. He has the ability to do it at times. He will bring the energy. He will be a disruptor. And he will always add value on the on that part of the game. But they need their best players to consistently step up and to perform at a very high level. And they simply are not doing it. And... Uh, this is a team that we, I believe that we will see big, big, big improvements as the, the season goes along. And uh, when we are here in January, breaking down their games, I think that uh, the team will look very different from uh, what we have seen so far. Another team that is also looking to make improvements as the season moves forward is Paratinaikos, that this time around lost against Barcelona, a very strong Barcelona that stands in second place uh, in the standings at the moment. They won at home 80-72 to against uh, Paratinaikos, with uh, the MVP of the game being Jabari Parker, Parker with 17 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist and 2 steals and uh, with Thomas Satoransky being also a very important player for the way that uh, this Barcelona team performed and the way that they locked this victory. He ended the game with 10 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists and 1 steal. For uh, Paratinaikos, we had a good showing and a good game from uh, Bastarlowski with 12 points and 4 rebounds. But uh, this is a team that still needs to, to find themselves and especially Juancho that ended the game scoreless uh, going Oh, for one from two points and oh, for one from uh, from three points. He really uh, has been a shadow of himself and uh, he wasn't able to, to perform and to play at the level that we would have expected from them. We just had breaking news and uh, bad news regarding Rancho. He had a finger injury. He will have to go through surgery and uh, he will be absent for two months. Certainly a big absence for this Paratinakis team that will now be looking to find other solutions for them to, to improve and to, to perform at a higher level moving forward in the, the EuroLeague. But while we wish a speedy recover for Juancho, it was Jabari that uh, almost sounds like listened to our previous episode previewing this round, and uh, he really stepped up and performed at a very good level, didn't he? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jabari did a, a great job stepping up on this game uh, against a team that was supposed to be good as far as like that power forward spot. But uh, he did a great job and he, he overshined 
over those guys. So a great job by him and by Barcelona getting this win. Uh, as far as Juancho, though, like, what can we say? I mean, he has to be the most disappointing player this season. And and I've been very critical of Will Clyburn, but it's not to this level. Like, even Adaman called him out after the game. I mean, he went scoreless again, and he's not helping this team whatsoever. Like, his lack of ability to create is being exposed. Uh, I do believe both Ataman and the guards could do a better job getting him involved and putting him in better positions to succeed. But I think most of it is on him because with his experience, with his abilities, not only skill-wise, but uh, physically, like he can't be struggling like this. And, and they need him to perform at a much, much higher level for them to be successful. And I believe his struggles are completely related to the team struggles because he's, he's supposed to be a big part of this team. And Mito Glu ha, has just came back and he's clearly a better player than him right now. I, I don't think you can even argue that. And, I mean, they just need him to play at a much, much higher level. And he hasn't been able to do that on any game. I think the first game against Olympiacos, he did a very good job as far as, like, hustling and getting rebounds. But after that, it's been a downhill, like, he definitely needs to, to improve because if he doesn't, it's going to look bad for him and that team is not going to su succeed at all. So you are saying that uh, Juancho needs to impersonate Bo Cruz and have a, a big yes. rest of the season? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. Uh, if, he, if, he, if he can be that virgin for this team, maybe they can succeed. But no, in all seriousness, though, I, I, I know he's not the, the most creative guy as far as like creating his own shot or creating for others, but... He's definitely better than this. And, and I don't know if something's going on like in the locker room or something personal. I don't know. But he needs to be better. That's that's it. Like we, It's not worth for us to be here talking about, oh, he needs to do this or that. I, he just needs to be better overall. Like his effort, his body language, everything. And he got to hit shots. Like his experience, like he, he's been a, a world champion. He's been in the NBA He's contributed in the NBA. He's contributed for Spain in the World Championship. Like, why is he struggling like this? I don't get it. And like I said, I think he can be put in better positions, but like, we, we can't just put it all on Ottoman or the guards. I think most of it is about him. So he definitely needs to step up and, and play better. This goes both ways. It's uh, on the team and um, on the coach and guards to, to place him in, in better positions. And it's on him to, to want to be in those better positions, to fight to be in those better positions. He clearly is a very talented player. And I don't think it's crazy to say that he is the most talented player of the, this team. He has shown to have the talent. He's still young enough to, to be uh, seen as a player that can still improve and to still affirm himself as well, as a lead player in the EuroLeague. I recognize in him that talent, but he cannot end the game with two shots taken in the in the whole game. Like He cannot end the game with two rebounds. He's a player that uh, has the ability to go to fight for those rebounds. He's a player that has some ability to attack the basket and to, to, and to, to go to the, the fall line. But most of that, he's a an elite shooter and a player that with his size, it's uh, very hard to contest his shots and he cannot end the game with just one shot taken. He he needs to be a higher vol volume shot taker. He needs to have that 
that uh, possibilities during the game, those chances during the game, but he also needs to create those for himself. And sometimes in these situations, it can be that the player is being asked to do the things that he is not the best at, and he's not a self-creator. He's not a player that will create in, dri- in dribble. It's not a player that will create like that. But he is a player that in the right situations, and if he looks for those situations, and if a team looks for those situations, I do still think that he can contribute at a very high level, but uh, it needs to start happening, and we need to start seeing that from him, because he, for me, is the key to unlock this uh, this Paratinakis team. We know how deep they are on the guard position, we know that they are adding Kedrick Nunn, another player that will give them more offensive firepower but uh, and Mitoglu is a player that uh, is showing uh, that uh, he's back at full force uh, Lasort we know what he brings to the game and they really need Hoancha to also be uh, an elite player and uh, for this team to all come together and for them to be able to, to perform at the level that we recognize that they have the ability to but they are still uh, far away from uh, being at that level now to end the, this part two of the round six recap, let's take a quick peek at the standings where Real Madrid is still the only team without losses and leads the, the competition with five wins and no losses. Barcelona, Virtus, Fenerbahce and Valencia are tied from second to, to fifth places with five wins and one loss. And not much has changed with the situations of this team. Virtus and Valencia are early surprises and Valencia is doing it with defense. Virtus is doing it with ball movement. And Barcelona has shown that they are they were just a, as a at a way more advanced stage of uh, their season as we might have expected heading into this season. Do you have, besides the, the surprises we have mentioned already, what are the keys for the, this top five, this early top five of the year? Like, Well, I mean, Real Madrid, we expected the, the dominance like with the roster they have. And these other teams, uh, I wouldn't say they're all surprises, but uh, I think Barcelona has been a surprise in the way that they're playing, uh, not in terms of results, but the way that they're playing has really surprised me. Uh, Virtus, obviously, the, their ball movement and their ability to, to outscore opponents and obviously the impact of coach Luca Banki. Um, Fenerbahce is a consistent team on both sides of the floor and they are very well coached by coach Ituris. So uh, I expected them to be up here. And then Valencia, of course, we, we talked about this, the, the biggest surprise here for me. Um, their defense is the best in the competition and they've been playing very consistent offense. So great job by all of these teams. I think from this group of four teams, Barcelona is the one that is at the top and you, you can tell me if you think differently because I just want to, to jump to the sixth place where Monaco is with four wins and two losses and we had both Monaco in second in our power rankings. I yeah. do think that we can scratch the, the first two losses of the game, move on, yeah. look at the, the four wins that they had after and that's the level that they are playing at. Between Monaco and Barcelona, if you had to redo your power rankings right now on the fly, which of those teams do you think is the, the strongest one? Monaco. I would go. I, you still have the, the lean, and I also still do have the lean to the yeah. the ability of creation of the, that backcourt yeah. of Monaco. Yeah. I think that that's what gives them the advantage. But uh, it's it's close. Uh, Barcelona just showed that uh, it is very close and just the yeah, defensive yeah, discipline course. from Barcelona and also the consistency that Barcelona has across the game and across all the positions, it makes it close. I just think that uh, Monaco still has more on uh, so, um, on creation and uh, on their backcourt creation. And for me, that's a difference maker on close games and close matchups between uh, these uh, elite teams. 
seventh place, we have Maccabi. That's uh, after a rough start, and they have one game less. They are with uh, three wins and uh, two losses. They they are starting to climb back into the the playoff positions or the playoff fight at, at the very least. And this is what we expected to see from Maccabi, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, and they still need weight to come back. I mean, they're going to be a good team. They're, they're going to be in this playoff picture. So it's all about getting weight back and build that consistency throughout the whole team. Because obviously, it's been a tough start. And with everything happening in, in Israel, too, it's tough for them. But I believe they're going to be they're going to be solid enough to, to be in the playoff picture throughout the season. Olympiacos are eight with uh, three wins and three losses. They are performing exactly as uh, my uh, as <laughs> I expected them with my poor ranking. So I'll give you the word. And uh, is there something that has been surprising you in uh, this performance of Olympiacos so far? Well, not really. I'm, I mean, I, I had them higher in my power rankings than you did, but uh, obviously I, I wasn't counting on all these injuries, and I, I still don't get what's happening with Brzezdekis. Sometimes he plays, sometimes he doesn't play. He hasn't really been used all that to to be a, a factor enough. So uh, I think they still have a lot of stuff to, to figure out. So uh, I might have overrated them a bit. But I do think they have the potential to be one of the best teams in the competition. But obviously they need to be healthy and they need somebody to step up as their wing scorer. And Brasdekis hasn't been doing that. Yeah, it's comes down to the, the same that uh, was my concern heading, heading to the season. They need the, that go-to guy, that uh, that creator. And this season, with the players that left in the beginning of the season, that just became even more important because that was something that we spoke about even last season. They just lost the, the top talent tier of players and they need to be able to replace them with at least one uh, go-to guy, one uh, elite scorer. To, for them to be able to to be at the top of the the standings and to be one of the top teams of the league, but at the same time, the truth is they are just there and they are really one piece away. Or maybe it's even McKinsey coming back or just having more consistency all around. And this is a team with a very very high floor. They are a very very good team, a very good roster. They are very well coached, and they are just there and they are just one small step away to to be able to to affirm themselves as a team that can end on the top six. And I think that even without that, they will be on the fight to end on this top six and the the playoffs to lock one of the playoff seats. I think that Olympiacos is a team that is on that fight. Uh, They just, right now, they have been, their start has been showing uh, what were some of our concerns regarding this roster construction. Nine plays, Jalgiris, we we know what to expect from them. They are a team that... uh, will be very competitive, that uh, will uh, fight to, to try to be in the playing picture. For me, the, the big surprise with Chalgiris is that they start with a 2-1 record on the road and a 1-2 record at home. That's certainly mm-hmm. something that we can expect to change, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we know how good of a team they usually are at home. Uh, of course, I, I've said uh, how I feel about this team as far as their overall talent. So there might be a problem this year, even in the home games. But uh, obviously, I do expect them to have a better home record than than on the road. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, it's a, it's a team that needs a secondary uh, guy uh, alongside Evans to to be able to to perform in a more consistent way. Otherwise, they they will have a hard time to end the season in the the playing picture. Red Star tenth. Some better indications, and I think I think we can group these uh, three teams: uh, Red Star, Partizan, and Paratinaikos. That are the teams between 10 and uh, 12 place. Uh, 
all of them are being slightly disappointing to start the season. But at the same time, all of them are just here and uh, all in positions that will allow them to, to fight for these uh, play-ins. Well, I'm going to be honest. I think you can go further than 12 because if you go from 10 to 14, which is including Efej and Bayern, I would say all these five teams have kind of been underperforming, at least in my eyes. So I think all of these teams have the potential to be in the play-in picture, the playoff picture, but they definitely need to improve. I mean, if you look at Panathinaikos, they need to get it all together. They, they need guys to step up and perform as the players that they are. Red Star needs to be consistent defensively. Partizan, I think they need a point guard. I think they need a big, and they need to get it all together, of course. Uh, Efesh, they they need a lot, honestly. They need a lot of stuff to change there because the top guys haven't been performing as such. And then Bayern, they, they need to improve their shooting, which they did the last game, but they need to be consistent with shooting because they don't really have a a, a true score. I mean, they have guys who can score, don't get me wrong, and all of those guards, they can score. But they don't have a, a full, clear, elite scorer like, a, I don't know, like a Mike James, like a Miritic. So they always have different guys stepping up. And I do think the consistency as far as scoring is a problem there. So they need to figure that out too. So I think all of these five teams could be better than what they've been so far this season. And I expect them to get better. We, we had Basconia climbing to 13 and getting into the middle of the these teams that are kind of all in that uh, boat uh, yeah, that I you mean, just mentioned. All these, but, teams, uh, all these teams are tied. Like all these two and four teams, uh, Basconia, I kind of expected it to be two and four, but the other five teams, I, I, I would expect them to be better. That, that's what I meant. But um, with uh, Bayern, uh, I do think that they showed uh, what we were expecting from them in a way because they have been a, a very competitive team, even if they don't have the consistency to be able to to be up there with uh, the top contenders game after game. But they have the the talent and the ability to to be competitive. Continuing and moving to sixteen, we have Milano, and uh, I would say that uh, they are in terms of team performance, the most disappointing team of this season. Yeah, they're up there. I mean, between them, uh, Partizan for me, Efes and Panathinaikos, I think between those four, uh, yeah, big disappointments out there for sure. So far in this season, the, those are teams that have been struggling and to close the standings, we have Alba in 17 and Aswell in 18. Uh those, these were the teams that ended at the bottom last season. Do you think that uh, one of them uh, has the ability to to climb the standings and still aspire with the playing? Uh, it's gonna. It, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, like we can see on these standings, we just talked about Milano, uh, FS Partizan, Bayern, Red Star, Panathinaikos, all being like on the bottom half of the standings, and these are very good teams. They've just been underperforming, so it's going to be really hard for Alba or Asvel or even Basconia to to, exp- to aspire to a playing spot because these other teams are all much more talented and, and just more prepared. But I do think all of these these two teams like Asvel and Alba, I do think they're going to be a lot better than last season. Even if that doesn't translate as far as like the results and the standings, I do think they are better teams than last year and, and they play much better basketball than last year. This takes us to the end of uh, this episode, this part two of the recap of round six and including also the recap of the round two game between uh, Milano and Maccabi. We will continue to cover the EuroLeague for you guys. 
tuning tomorrow for our preview of round seven that will be taking place this week. And um, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itos Euroleague so you don't miss out any new episodes that uh, we release. As always, I'll be talking with you guys soon. Bye, guys. See you on next episode.